would meet us around your word. We pray that you would speak to our hearts and to our lives. We pray, Father, that that Jesus Christ would be glorified in all that we would say and do. And Father, as we look at maybe one of the really difficult concepts that we have to deal with as believers, as Christians, we pray that you give us grace and that you'd give us peace, and that you'd give us understanding, and also that you'd give us the fortitude, the determination to make it so in our lives. Father, we pray that Jesus would be glorified now in this hour. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Be holy. Be, be kind and compassionate. Paul tells us in Ephesians, we sort of like that, we'll do that. Be forgiving, he tells us in the same verse. Be loving. Those are all some of the B commands that we have. But perhaps one of the hardest is to be holy. For three weeks here, we're going to talk about being holy. And it's just been three weeks with you dealing with what that means and how we make that happen. This is not a command of God to be holy because he already is holy. This is his command to us to be holy. And today we're talking about Jesus knows me. Luke chapter 5 verses 1 through 11 is the passage you're going to be looking at. But the key passage for all three passages, all three sermons that I'm going to share with you are is really 1 Peter chapter 1 verses 15 and 16. There there in your sermon notes, the first thing that you'll see in your sermon notes, and I'm going to encourage you that you would memorize these two verses, that you would that you would somehow take them as your own. It says, but just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. And so we have this command, we have this, this call to holiness as believers, and, and yet we look at it and we say, oh man, that's, that's not for me. I don't know that I can be holy. I don't, I don't see myself as holy. I don't, I don't even know how I could be holy. I don't know how I could do that. And so we're going to look at, at a very powerful story this morning. As we begin to think about how that holiness happens, how do we start on that pathway of holiness? And then we're going we're gonna to build on that uh, for a couple more Sundays uh, this month as we, as we finish out August. But we're going we're gonna to talk about how do we get to that point where we can say, yes, I am, I may not be as holy as I want to be, but I'm on that pathway. I am, I am learning to be holy in my life. And I, and I can, I can, tell you that we're going to look at a, this really powerful spiritual truth that that Luke shares uh, in his gospel here in, in chapter 5. And once you come to grasp that spiritual truth uh, and you begin to apply it to your life, I can guarantee that you're never going to be the same again. Because if you're, if, you're, if you're becoming holy and you're living a holy lifestyle, you're not going to be the same as you were before. And, and you're going to be different and you're going to, you're going to glorify God. And, and so so I'm going to share what that spiritual truth is before we go any further. And that's where I get the words to my song, Jesus Knows Me. The spiritual truth that you have to understand for today is that Jesus knows more about your life than you do. When you get that permanently ingrained in your DNA, 
When you finally figure out that's true, that Jesus knows more about me than I know about me, it begins to change everything. That means God knows and Jesus knows more about your situation in life. He knows more about your job if you're still working. He knows your problems. He knows your abilities. He knows what your limitations are. Uh, He knows your ambitions. He knows what your potential is. He knows everything about you. He knows more about those things than you or I could ever possibly know about ourselves. And then there's this corresponding spiritual truth that you can just write in there if you want to along the way that goes with it that not only does Jesus know more about your life than you do, but he also knows and he is able and he is willing to make your life the absolute best that it can be. He says, I know who you are. I know I know how he created you. I know what's going on in your life, but I also have the power and the ability to make this the very best that you could be. And we find that truth in John chapter 10, verse 10. Jesus says, I have come that day. And I'm going to stop right there with they. I want you to underline that word they or circle it in your Bible or your sermon notes. I have come that they. That they is who? It's you. It's me. I have come that you. And you can put your name there if you want to. I have come that they may have life, and that they may have it, what? More abundantly. Jesus said, I know who you are. I know everything about you more than you could ever know. And I also know that I came so that you can have life and have it more abundantly. He knows more about you. And and he knows how to make it work. He knows how to make it thrive. He knows how to make you succeed. And that's exactly what he wants for you to do. So when he says, I call you to be holy, even as I am holy, he says, I know that that seems daunting. I know that may seem impossible. But I know that it can happen in your life. He doesn't say, I call just certain Christians to be holy. He calls all of us to be holy. And that's a part of the abundant life that he came to give to us. And so I have to buy into that truth. I have to accept it as real that Jesus knows more about me than I know about me. He knows more about my life than I know about my life or ever will know about my life. And I can trust him in that. I can trust him that he can take who I am and he can make it an abundant life that he wants. In Luke chapter 5, we read the story of how Jesus uh, called the apostle Peter. He didn't just call Apostle uh, Peter to be an apostle. Uh, he really caught him, if you will. Uh, and, and at that time, uh, Peter wasn't an apostle. He was just Simon. In fact, he didn't even go by the name Peter yet. Jesus gives him the name Peter sometime later. Peter uh, comes from the, from the Greek word uh, Petros, which means a little rock. But that's not the name that his mom gave him. His mom and his dad gave him the name Simon, and that's who Jesus knew him in as, at that point. And so he comes across Simon, uh, and, and Jesus takes this man Simon on this journey from being a typical businessman. 
Simon had a couple of partners. They had a couple of boats. They were fishermen. They had some nets. That's how they made a living. That was their job. That was their business. They caught fish for a living. To being this man of God, this man of immense spiritual wisdom and power that that changes uh, the landscape of the world in his day. And Peter began that journey, if you will, with a couple of left feet. You know the story of Peter. You know his life. You know that, that, that he could open his mouth and put not one but both feet in it before you could shake a stick. I mean, he was always making wrong choices. He was always saying the wrong thing. And, and, uh, and he was always leaping before he looked. But, but, but he becomes the Apostle Peter, one of the most significant leaders in the early church. You remember on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit first comes on that group of 120 in the upper room. That's all the Christians there are on the face of the earth. 120. And they're in an upper room. Holy Spirit comes. Peter takes them outside on the street. It is Peter who begins to preach on the day of Pentecost. And what happens? 3,000 people accept Jesus Christ as the Savior and Lord and are added to the church that day. That's some sermon. And, and at that point, uh, it just begins to snowball for Peter. That's what Peter becomes. And in Luke chapter 5, we still see the beginning. He is still going as Simon. That's his name. And we begin to see what God can do through him. Uh, maybe today you're right where Simon was. At that day, in Luke chapter 5. You know about Jesus. You're familiar with him. Maybe you even would consider yourself among his followers. Uh, Simon did that day. Not the first time that Jesus ran across Simon. Um, Simon had been following Jesus for a while. In Luke chapter 4, we see that Jesus had actually gone to Simon's house and had healed his mother-in-law. But it wasn't until this scene in Luke chapter 5 that Simon allowed himself really to be captured by Jesus Christ, to be captivated by him. Um, and, I, and I think that, that it was that day that Simon first began to grasp this, this spiritual truth, that Jesus knows more about my life than I'm ever going to know. Let me share with a story with you that happens here in Luke chapter 5. Um, it's how it happens. One day Jesus is standing by the Sea of Galilee, and he's surrounded by a large crowd of people trying to listen to him, uh, and he's teaching. And, and he sees two boats that are on the, on the shore, and he walks over to the edge where they're not being used, and, and he gets into one of the boats, and he just asks the owner, Simon, would you please move the boat out off the shore just a little bit so I can continue to teach? And you might, you might try to put that together in your mind, that Jesus is already with the crowd of people. He's already teaching. Then he says, let's get on a boat. Let's move out from the shore so I can continue teaching the crowd. You might wonder why. And it has to do with acoustics, especially the acoustics around the the Sea of Galilee. And um, because of the the hills that surrounded it, by going out on on the calm water just a little bit, the water served as an acoustical backdrop for and, and magnified the sound so the people could actually hear Jesus better when he was out on the boat on the water than they could hear him when he was standing on the shore 
around and they were around him and he wanted them to make sure that they heard so they do that Simon says okay they pull out off of the banks a little bit onto the onto the water Jesus continues to teach and when he is done what happens he turns to Simon they're still on the boat and he says this is what I want you to do in verse 4 of chapter 5 he says put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch Now, Peter has to make a choice. Simon has to make a choice at that point. And in verse 5, this is his answer. Master, we worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. And that's what happens. Simon and his companions go out into the deeper water, they let the nets down, and when they pulled them back up, they discovered that they had caught so many fish that the nets couldn't hold them all. In fact, they couldn't even get the nets out of the water. To the point that Simon has to signal to the other boat to come over and help them, and they begin to pull the nets up, and there are so many fish that they fill both boats to the point that both boats are about to sink. You'd think that they were pulling up and hauling up, you know, 120 pound to 200 pound yellowfin and bluefin tuna or something. But they're on the Sea of Galilee, and the Sea of Galilee is filled with what is now called St. Peter's Fish. What a surprise that they would name it after him, after this incident. St. Peter's fish are little panfish about the size of your hand. So I don't know how many that is, but that's a lot of fish. That's a lot of pan-sized fish to fill up two boats to the point that they're about to sink. And and yet, that's what happens. And so the, the fish just keep coming and coming and coming. And when that happened, Simon looks at it. He looks at Jesus, and what does he do? In verse 8, he says, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. And then in verse 10, we read, Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. I want you to see what happens in this last verse we're going to look at today. In verse 11, it says, So they pulled their boats up on shore, left everything, and followed him. And the beginning of the transformation of Peter is underway. Simon is going to be transformed And it begins there. And it can begin with you today. If you're a casual follower of Jesus today, and and realistically, there, there probably cannot be such a thing as a casual follower of Jesus, but we all try it at some point in our lives, from time to time. Where I just I, I just want to I know who Jesus is and I know that I that I've trusted Him as my Savior but I really don't want to get really tied up in this spiritual stuff too much and I've got a lot going on in my life right now and so you might say you know I'm a casual follower of Jesus um, but but if you're a casual follower of Jesus marginally religious marginally or nominally spiritual. Um, You can begin to experience this transformation today the same way that Peter does. And it's a transformation into holiness. It's a transformation that that Jesus ultimately says leads to a life of abundance. And it begins with, with just assimilating the spiritual truth into your life that Jesus knows more about me and my life than I'm ever going to know. And he's willing and he's able to make my life the very best that it can be. 
And when I believe that, and when I, when I live on the basis of that, then God can do whatever he wants to do, and he calls me to be holy, and it becomes a real possibility. So this morning I want to just look at the three ways that since Jesus knows more about you than you do, what should happen? The first thing should happen is that you need to keep trying, even when the results don't come easy. Because Jesus knows more about you than you do, you just got to keep on keeping on. You keep trying, and the results will take care of themselves eventually, but it's not going to be easy all the time, so you just keep on. Jesus told Peter, who was a fisherman, to move out into deep water and let down the nets for the catch, and what did Peter reply? Remember, he said, uh, excuse me, Master, we've already done that. We, we've already spent the night out here. Uh, we've already spent the night, and we haven't caught one fish. We didn't catch anything. That's what he said. But I wonder about what he didn't say. I wonder if it went through Peter's mind. Because I, I think if I were Peter, it would have gone through mine. Um, you know, Jesus, you don't quite understand, do you? You don't quite get it. You don't know how important this is to me. Uh, I'm in this business. I'm a professional fisherman, Jesus. You know, there are some days, as a fisherman, I know that when you come out, it's just a bust. And you just write that day off, and you come back again tomorrow. This is one of those days, Jesus, it was a bust. Um, And you, on the other hand, are a carpenter, and you're a wonderful teacher, but you're not a fisherman. And with all due respect... I've got more experience out here than you do. Can you can you hear that going through Peter's mind? And probably you can hear it because that's what we tell Jesus a lot of times, isn't it? You know, you don't know how how tough it is to live in the 21st century. You don't know how tough it is to to be in business. You don't know how tough it is to to balance the cash coming in and out. You don't realize how potentially devastating the situation is, Jesus. You don't don't have to make this decision uh, like I have to on my own because I don't think you really understand what's going on here. You ever hear those thoughts coming through your mind? Maybe you don't say them out loud. Maybe you do. But Jesus, you don't know my life. You don't know what I have to deal with. You don't know how important it is at the end of the month to be able to balance the books of our family. And so Jesus, with all due respect, you're a carpenter, you're a great teacher, but butt out right now. Don't tell me how to run my life and my business. Peter could have thought that, and you might think that. But Peter didn't act that way. You know, and it sounds ridiculous to hear it out loud, doesn't it? But if we're honest, every one of us in here has at least had those thoughts go through our mind. At some point, when things were going really tough, or it was just a really bad day. But Jesus tells us how to move out into the deep and let down the nets. And we say, Lord, I've tried 
and I've tried, and I just don't know that I can try anymore. It's not working, Jesus. It just doesn't seem to work. I have tried every way I can. I've tried to be good, and and it's just not working. I've tried to tell other people about you, Jesus, and they just don't listen. I've tried to respond and love to people I work with, and they stab me in the back. I have tried to do good, and nothing works, Jesus. And he says, excuse me, just squat in the deep and let the nets down. Just do what I ask you to do. And Peter thought it might be an exercise in futility, but he was beginning to grasp this greater truth. And the truth is this. Jesus knows more about my situation than I do, so I'll try again. I may have tried until I don't think I have any more energy. I may have tried until I think I'm out of ideas. But I'll try again, Jesus, because you know about more about me than I do. And if you're leading me to go this way, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go try again. And, and if, even if you're in the middle of an extended dry spell in your life, friends... Even if you tried and you've tried and you've tried and you get nothing in return, here's a good reason to try. Jesus knows more about my situation than I do. And when he tells me to keep trying, there's a good reason for it. And so you try. And regardless of what Peter might have been tempted to think on that day, On the Sea of Galilee. Here's what he said again in verse 5. Because you say so, I will let down the nets. I'll do it simply because you told me, Jesus, to do it. And so what did he do? He tried again. He put himself in a position to be outrageously blessed by God. By trying again, he said, Jesus, I don't know what you're going to do, but, but I'm going to do it anyway. And because of that faithfulness, because of that, of that listening to the voice of Jesus, he put himself in a place where God could say, now I can bless you abundantly. And because Jesus knows more than you do about your life, you keep trying, even when the results don't come easy. And secondly... Because Jesus knows more than you do about your life, Jesus also knows your true potential. He knows what your potential is. He knows the actual potential. Peter is blown away by the miracle that takes place that day, friends. He really is. He suddenly realizes that he's in the presence of greatness, that this is not just a mere man. I, I, I really think that there's a good possibility that, that Peter and, and Jesus had known each other for a long time. They may have gone to school together. Um, they're about the same age. And, and Jesus has already performed miracles that Peter has witnessed. He has seen that happen. Um, he had seen... Jesus healed Peter's mother-in-law just a few days earlier. But now Jesus does something really special. It is something that is just so extremely generous. And he does it for Peter and for his family. Got to keep in mind that this big catch of fish, however many it ultimately was, um, because Peter's a fisherman, it meant money. 
This was salary. This was money that he could put in the bank. This was this meant that he could feed his family and could pay his bills. And, and I don't know how many fish that ultimately was, but, but it was enough to cause those two boats to begin to sink. Uh, and maybe that's the equivalent of a month's salary. A month's working out there every day. And, and all of a sudden, in, in one afternoon, he's got a month's worth of fish and salary. That's a big deal when you live day to day because that's how people lived in those days. Those, that's Peter's life. Every day he got up to make enough money for that day. He got up to be able to feed his family for that day and then he had to go back and do it again tomorrow to get enough money to feed his family for that day. There was never money in the bank and all of a sudden he's got enough probably for a month or so that he could that he can go down and put it B of A if he wants to. Uh, and that's a big day for Simon Peter and he's been generally blessed and he knew that he didn't deserve it because what's his response? He fell to his knees and in verse 8 again he says, Go away from me Lord, I am a sinful man. Be holy because I'm holy. Go away from me Jesus because I'm a sinful man. I'm a sinful woman. I don't deserve that. I don't deserve to be holy like you are. And he says I know your potential. I knew the potential in Peter's boat. I knew the potential for his life and I know the potential for your life. And we are standing in the presence of holiness and greatness. And he calls us and he says just do what I say. Let the nets down. And when we do he blesses us abundantly. And we have to say oh Lord I don't deserve it. I'm a sinful person. And I've known a lot of people who are that way. I spoke with a guy just the other day in my office. And, and, and I said, how can I pray for you before you leave? And he said, Pastor, he said, I am so embarrassed to tell you that God has blessed me and my family so many ways. I, I, don't, I don't know that we have a need that I even know how to speak. And it almost embarrasses me. And I said, brother, just praise God. That's his blessing in your life. You don't have to be ashamed of that. Jesus doesn't tell Peter, be ashamed because of what I did for you. But that's our natural reaction. Every person who tries to do good at some point comes to the end of themselves and they say, I just can't do it. I'm not good enough. Maybe you wondered about that. Why would God use me? I know I, I've had to deal with that. Why, why would he even want to? It's still a mystery. But, but I had to learn that same lesson that Peter learned. And, and we all have to learn that. We don't see our potential the same way that Jesus does. We see our limitations. We see our failures. We see our weaknesses. We see our sinfulness. And I want you to know when Jesus sees you, he sees your potential for greatness ever what you can be. To him, you're not just you're not just a fisherman, you're not just a teacher, you're not just a business guy, you're not just an accountant, you're not just a nurse, you're not just a police officer. When Jesus looks at you, He sees the potential to do his work. Your life can be explained by other than failure. What's more, your life can be defined 
by something other than what we call success. See, we, we look at it two ways. Either we look at our lives and we say, but I'm just a failure. Or we've, we've somehow been successful by the world standards and we say, but, but I did this on my own. And Jesus says, you know what, neither one counts because that's not the potential I see in you either way. I don't see that you're a failure, but I also don't see you as a success by the world standards. I hate to drop that on some of you, but but you can have all the money and all the success in the world. And Jesus says, but that's not the potential I have for you. That's not what I see in you. But I also don't see the failures. I don't see the sin. When you belong to me, he says, I see the potential for holiness. And holiness has nothing to do with your bank account. It has nothing to do with, with the number of degrees after your name. Whatever it is, he said, that's not the potential that I see in you. I may allow those things and I may use those things, but I see the potential for holiness. Whichever that side of the equation you find yourself on, he says, I see your true potential. And he invites you in to do his work, his kingdom work. And inviting you in makes all the difference in the world. Uh, Because we don't see that potential that he sees, but he knows what we can be. And so he says, I want you to keep trying when things are tough and you don't see the results, but I also understand that I know you and I see the potential to do kingdom work in you. And because he knows more than you know about yourself, it's worth the risk of leaving everything behind. It's worth the risk of leaving everything behind. The Bible says in verse 11 again, so they pulled their boats up on the shore left everything and followed him. Man, that doesn't sound like a successful businessman, a successful fisherman, does it? He's just had his greatest catch ever of fish. Two boatloads in one short fishing session of dropping the net one time. He finally gets it to shore, manages to get both boats to shore without it sinking, gets off the boat and walks away and never turns back. He says, that part of my life is over, I guess. Why? Because I got something better. The idea of being a successful fisherman didn't seem that important anymore. I think he would say, I found something better. Instead of catching fish, I want to spend the rest of my life catching people for the kingdom of God. And he leaves everything behind to follow Jesus. Now, that doesn't happen to everybody. I'm not saying that you walk away from your job, you walk away from, from for whatever it is, your family. But um, it happens to some people, but uh, sometimes it doesn't happen that way at all. When God called Paul to be an apostle, uh, Paul never walked away from his job. He remained a tent maker for the rest of his life. As far as we know, he was always making tents uh, to be able to pay the bills. Um, and chances are, that's what you're going to do too. You're going to be involved in kingdom work. Uh, uh, working in a secular job, and that's that's okay. That's that's the that's the normal. But I want you to know that God can use you right where you are today in ways that you don't realize right now. 
and he begins to expand your horizon and he begins to expand your your outreach and 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 far more than you ever could have hoped for in your life and he just calls you he says i want you to come to me and i want you to be holy i want you to i want you to begin to walk with me as one set apart from me because that's what the word holy means to be set apart so he said i i call you to be set apart from me to give me your whole life and when you do that then abundance can come abundance in kingdom work abundance in what it is that i want you to do and here's uh what i want you to see leave everything and follow him um in the book of in the book of um of Luke chapter 5, we've already read it in verse 11. He left everything and followed him. But I want you to read it with me in the New King James Version. It says, So when they had brought their boats to land, they forsook all and followed him. I like that word forsook. It's not a word that we use very often. Forsook. You might want to underline that. But you've heard it before, most of you. Where did you hear it? And maybe even repeated it out loud. You probably heard it or used it in your marriage vows. When you got married. The pastor or the minister, whoever it was, stood in front of you. And probably said, part of the vows, forsaking all others, being faithful to your spouse as long as you both shall live. Forsook is just a form of forsake forsaking. And that's a pretty good comparison to the Christian life. We're challenged to forsake everything else. Our dreams, our desires, our goals, our ambitions for the sake of the kingdom of God. Say, Jesus, I want to be holy. I want to follow you. And I'm willing to forsake. I'm willing to turn my back on everything that I thought was important. For the sake of the kingdom. You know what makes it worth it? To make such a radical decision? It's the fact that Jesus knows more about your life than you do. He knows what's best for you. He knows what you need even before you do. And he wants to give you a life that's abundant. That afternoon on the Sea of Galilee... Peter began a journey of transformation that took him from being this simple fisherman to becoming this great man of God. A man who lived out holiness in every sense of the word. And all began when he learned that simple life principle. Jesus knows more about me and my life than I do. Jesus knows me. And I've come to love that. And it begins for you today as well, if you're ready. If you're ready to trust Jesus completely, to obey him, to put aside all your insecurities and allow him to develop you on this journey of holiness into the man or the woman that he calls you to be. It's up to you if you want to be caught or not. If you're willing to be caught then the fact that Jesus knows you will change everything. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that 
in Christ, there is salvation. In Christ, there is forgiveness of sins. In Christ, there is abundance. In Christ, we have the potential for holiness, to be set apart for the kingdom, to be used in a way that changes everything. Father, we pray that, like Simon Peter, we would be willing to leave everything and follow Christ. Father, there might be one here today who needs to make that first choice to let Jesus come into their heart, forgive their sins, and give them eternal life to become a child of the King. We pray, Father, that today might be that day that they would trust Jesus. Some of us may be just toying with Christianity. Casual Christian may be a pretty accurate description. You never call anybody to casualness. You never called anybody to follow you casually. You called us to holiness, to total separation to Jesus. And so, Father, we pray that today Jesus might be Lord, that he might be glorified, even we sang before, in every way. We pray these things in Christ's most precious name. Amen.